0: We welcome you in to the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea. Alongside Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. Welcome to another installment of the best podcast available. Coming up today on the program, Bruce Feldman joins the program, National College Insider for the Athletic. You can also watch him on Fox uh, and their college football coverage. Uh, He's got a new mock draft out. We did this with him last year, Gribbs. Obviously a little bit different from a circumstance standpoint based on the, uh, based on what we have in the first round, what we don't have in the first round, and should be a good one. Bruce's mock, always a unique one in the fact that he gets all of his intel from the coaches that played against the kids that we're going to be getting uh, on draft night.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. I think we had to go into the interview letting Bruce know that he had to do a little bit more homework uh, for our questions because... Don't have a first round pick, so we're going to be asking about some some guys that you did not include in your in your first round mock. But yeah, it's it's always great insight and, and intel, and and uh, there's no one, few people as sourced as Bruce Feldman is, and I think that that's what shows in his insight and his coverage. And I think it's why you know you've got the traditional people who do mock drafts and do a bunch of them, but Bruce usually does one or two, and they, they come in with a different angle that you don't usually get.
0: Yeah, we are just a couple weeks out from the 2022 NFL draft. Oh, a reminder: the Browns do not have a pick on thursday night uh however rounds two and three they will have one pick on in the second round on friday night and two picks in the third round so friday night will be a busy night and that will lead lead of course into saturday and rounds four five six and seven the browns (laughs) with a pick in every one of those multiple picks in the seventh no pick in the fifth round however so we have seven picks total as of now That's always subject to change, as we've noticed here in the last couple weeks. Latest news from Berea and the cross-country mortgage campus. The Browns are bringing back one of their own, Ronnie Harrison, signing a contract uh, to remain a Cleveland Brown for the 2022 season. And Gribbs, again, it continues to just fortify the back end of that defense. And more and more, you just look ahead to draft and that next wave of free agency, to shore up that defensive
1: line. Yeah and I think it was an, safety was an interesting position because you felt good about the top two guys in John Johnson and, and Grant Delpit and then you had the development of Richard LeCount uh, hopefully coming here moving forward but losing MJ Stewart in free agency was I thought a pretty significant loss and, especially with what he gave you at the end of the season so it is good to shore it up back with Ronnie who when healthy was a starting safety on this team and I think that really his, his season kind of unraveled at the end last year were just the injuries and then I think COVID popped in at some point and it just all of a sudden he was out for basically the last 6 weeks and and that it just made you wonder if he was going to be back, but I think it's, it's good that he's kind of going to come back on a, in kind of a prove it situation. And again, when he's been healthy on this team he and and locked in, he's been a very good player. And I think you saw that the moment the Browns traded for him in, in 2020, he made an immediate impact on that defense. And I, I think now it's just about staying healthy, uh, finding his niche as, as one of those top three safeties on the defense and clearly a, a, talented guy that, that I think has some, some good football ahead of him.
0: Yeah. I mean, it- there's no question he was around the ball a lot, yeah. making plays and creating turnovers, which is what this defense will need again in 2022 to set up this high-profile offense.
1: Yeah, and he's a guy that can do kind of both safety positions if you need him to, but I think he you want him most on the inside. He's a hard hitter, uh, dynamic with the ball in his hands. We saw him have the pick six in 2020 against the Colts. It's just the injury bug has bit him the last couple of years at, at some inopportune times. But again, a guy that when you look at him on the field, an incredible athlete can do a lot. And I think that they can they can find spots in this defense for where he can make an impact out
0: there. In one of the more bizarre plays from 2021, I totally forgot in, in, in doing the research and getting ready for the show that he was ejected from that week one game against yeah, Kansas City early for. Yeah, kind of questionable. And uh, but there's no question uh, the kid's heart is there and his ability to make plays. You and the, just got to stay healthy. You think
1: of the other fluke thing in 2020 the, his homecoming in Jacksonville injured on the first play. Yeah. I mean it's just it was real just some some bad luck. It's some bad injury luck. I think even in that in the game that he had the pick six he exited later with a, a concussion. So it, it, there's just been when you're playing that defensive back and you play kind of the high flying style that he does. You're going to get get banged up here and there and I think for him at the the focus just be staying healthy getting on the field and, and getting better this will be his third year in the joe wood scheme so he'll be comfortable with what he's being asked to do
0: so again you're looking pretty good at linebacker your corner situation is is good and you're the back end in your safety room but right now you need a few more guys to team up with number 95 on that defensive line so uh defensively you're looking pretty good for the 2022 season offensively i think we all know um got to get another body or two in there on the wide receiver side of things and you know what's become just as big a need right now might uh, again you've mentioned it from the beginning when we started this tight end it is still a position of need here as we work towards the draft yeah as
1: of now i think you just have two players rostered at that position and dave njoku and harrison bryant uh I think that it, clearly you want to get a few more out there. Maybe this team is not going to be using as many tight ends as in the past with the change of quarterback. Maybe you're, you're going a little bit uh, different schematically, but at the same time, you need more in two. And I, I think that the way Kevin Stefanski values tight ends, I think it's going to be something where I think that people need to maybe start talking more about tight ends in the draft because I think that the Harrison Bryant one a couple of years ago seemingly came out of nowhere because it was right after the Austin Hooper signing. Now this is a pretty deep – deep draft with tight ends especially on day two uh, you can get someone that can maybe make it's a tough position to make an impact in year one but someone that can make a a decent amount of an impact in year one
0: all right enough about what's happening from a free agency standpoint because the league has kind of gotten quiet here <laughs> two weeks before the NFL draft in terms of free agency. You've got a signing here or there, and I'm sure the Browns not done yet uh, in terms of making some, some moves to shore up that roster as we get closer to the draft and then closer to training camp 2022 in late July. Now time to talk a little draft, and we do so with Bruce Feldman, uh, National College insider for the athletic Fox Sports College football Uh, We talk about the wide receiver group, defensive tackles, defensive ends, tight ends, the guys that could be on the Browns' radar. We talk about positions and what the coaches have said uh, are some of the stronger positions that are coming out in this year's draft. Have a watch and have a listen. Here on the best podcast available, presented by Cross Country Mortgage, Jason Gibbs, Andrew Gribble, joined now by National College Insider for the Athletic and Fox Sports Reporter covering college football, one of the gurus when it comes to covering college football. Bruce Feldman joins us this week on the best podcast available. Bruce, appreciate a few minutes of your time. I know you have worked with one Andrew Gribble in the past. Any fun little stories that you'd like to get out? Maybe we can have a little roast of one Andrew Gribble from his days covering the Crimson Tide.
2: Uh, I am going to hold off and refrain from, from taking any shots, especially with Andrew in that light as he's in right now, it's just like, it looks like it's <laughs> shining over his shoulder. So I will take the high road.
0: <laughs> uh, well played by you. Uh, your 2022 mock draft is out now and it's a deep analysis on the top prospects from the guys who know them best. The coaches, who face them. And this was a fun exercise. We had you on last year. It was one of our best podcasts of the off season and one of our most fun. And again, your mock draft is out this year and out last week, matter of fact, and just a great read, a lot of great insight. My first question to you in putting this together is how do you balance the positive comments, with the negative comments because you don't want to kill a guy's draft stock necessarily, but how do you balance if maybe things are a little more negative than they are positive?
2: It's a good question. So like, especially there was one player where the first two comments, and it was a guy that, you know, I think I celebrated a lot because he was a really good college player. And the first two comments I got, they weren't like bashing the player, but they were very critical of some, some things that, almost nobody I think was talking about when he was a college player. And I was like, I know I'm trying to get at least three comments or talk to three sources about every player. But the first two were like somebody had said, you know, I'm not surprised people look at him as a first round pick, but I'm, I've heard people think he's a top five pick. I'm not seeing that, you know, that kind of thing. And the second coach was kind of similar to that and then so you talk to a couple more people and it's not like you're kind of keeping turnover and rocks to wait and find something you like but you're just trying to get as complete a picture as possible and what i really love about this format isn't so much that it's like a mock draft but really what i'm trying to do is you know if your team ends up with one of these players this should be a really invaluable resource to go okay what are we actually getting because there's lots of good intel on mock drafts and draft analysis. But what I set it out, set out to do with this is really talk to the coaches who have played these players in college, because not only they studied them on film, but then they know what they're doing when they're trying to play against these players. It's not like, oh, I watched it on film and you know, it's not to say that scouts or people don't have a great feel for what a player is doing, but it's a little different when, you know, Hey we're running this because of that guy and how they respond to it. And so that I feel like gives you a different picture, maybe a different perspective. So that was part of how I kind of came about it. And then in the context of it, you know, look, look, maybe in the NFL, this particular player is, is Kyle Hamilton, who the first couple comments weren't glowing because they worried, can he cover a slot? You know, how is he tackling in space? um with smaller quicker guys well in the nfl maybe he's not going to be covering slots maybe he's really if he's in coverage maybe it's going to be on tight ends and and that's more the bulk of it so i think it's a little different of like what is going to be the ask when he goes to the nfl
1: Bruce, i think the most intriguing thing about your mock draft and is kind of the and how this pertains to the browns is there's a run on quarterbacks at the end of that first round with Malik willis desmond ritter um matt correll and what what, how, how do you see that shaping up and with a lot of teams that are of the Browns interest, maybe loading up at that position and setting things up for day two?
2: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting because, you know, those four, with you add Kenny Pickett, who I have going earlier, um, and then you could probably throw Sam Howell from North Carolina in there. I think there is, to me, this is not, and this is not revolutionary to say this, because a lot of people said this, this is a very underwhelming quarterback crop. And I think if you, if you really desperately need one who's going to come in and compete for a starting job and ultimately play right away, it's very risky. I mean, Malik Willis has a big arm and he runs well, but he came from, he's coming out of Hugh Freeze's system, which is RPO heavy, and it's not as complicated. And I think you also have a guy who, he's at Liberty, but then when they played some better teams, he struggled. And I think the concern is how quickly can he transition to the NFL? in matt corral you have a guy who has a you know really quick release and runs well and he's tough but he's also not a big guy you wonder how durable he's going to be if he's going to try to play like a linebacker in the nfl will he hold up you also worry and i when i went to the combine talked to some nfl coaches who'd met with him was do we think because we know he's had kind of a bumpy path uh and he's come from it come out of it but do we think He's going to be able to lead men who have families and and be the kind of face of a franchise right now. And so I think what you, what you're looking at with some guys is how ready are they, if you need them to play now or a year from now, as opposed to like, Hey, you can develop behind somebody. There's less pressure because you are a second round picker. Maybe you're the end of the first round, as opposed to, you know, we're going to take you in the top 10, you know, then there's a different level of expectations on somebody. So, you know, I don't know, maybe you sit there and say, Hey, we can get Sam Howell mid to late second round. And we know that he's had his moments, but there's, you know, a little bit of, and I, I know people compare him to Baker in part because he's similar stature. And I think he actually looks a little Baker. Their personalities are way different having been around both, but, you know, maybe, there's just i i feel like there's just less pressure if you're taking somebody in the second round than if you're the first round quarterback
0: bruce feldman's mock draft is out now at the athletic he's their national college insider also covers the game uh for fox sports bruce kenny pickett's hands overblown story legit concern from any of the people that you've talked to
2: i think it's a little overblown um You know, we've seen quarterbacks who Logan Thomas, when he was a quarterback, had enormous hands. Uh, Johnny, you guys remember him? Johnny has big (laughs) hands. Um, you know, Joe Burrow doesn't have very big hands. Joe Burrow plays in a cold place, you know. So I think it's a little, I think it's a little overblown. Um, but it's that time of year when people love to dissect all the minutia. And I get it why, you know, and I've talked to plenty of coaches who know a lot more about football than I do, who say they really care about it. And they look at it when they recruit quarterbacks or when they go through the process. Um, I, if I was an NFL team and I really was sold on Kenny Pickett's arm, I would not, I would not be like, ooh, his hands are just this small. I can't take him in, you know, in the first round because of that. I don't think that's a deal breaker.
1: Bruce, the last few years, the Browns in the second round have seemed to get guys that came into the year or even came into the draft, everyone talking about them as first-round players, whether it's Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams, guys like that. Is there Might be putting you on the spot. Is there anyone that fits in the mold of guys who may have entered this conversation as first-rounders that now you're hearing are looking like second-round kind of guys?
2: I don't know where like does jahan dotson fall out of the first round he plays bigger than he is his size isn't great but he plays bigger he is a home run threat and you have in the first round already you have the two receivers from ohio state garrett wilson and chris olave you have drake london who's the biggest receiver of the high level guys And then you have Jamison williams who was you know an explosive receiver from alabama coming off an injury you know so is jahan dotson that guy you know like there are I I think you can get a really good receiver in the second round. I mean, you know, Christian Watson from North Dakota State, you have guys who I think can be pretty dynamic, who you could get in the second round. I think there's players who could end up sliding back. I think there's running backs, you know, Brees Hall. I think if he ends up not in the first round, it was ultra productive. He ran really well at, uh, at the combine. I feel like in that regard, there are some really good value players. Then there's a guy like a boy, Mafé. He was on my freaks list. He is a really explosive athlete. And he played in a pretty simple scheme in Minnesota. I'm not saying he is, you know, what the Ravens got last year in, in uh, OA. But he is a pretty freaky athlete. And he could be a difference maker on third down situations. Like, it wouldn't shock me if, if somebody like that ended up being – having a better career or the same, you know, the same kind of production as a Kevon Thibodeau does who, and he goes in the top 10. I mean, there will be some of those guys, you know, who could, who could fall out of the first and end up being um, you know, you have some guys at Georgia, you know, it was obviously talked a lot about Quay Walker, but there's other guys there who could, you know, who are explosive athletes who played at a high level, who could end up being really good players in the second round.
0: Edge, wide receiver, other. In terms of your research, what do you come across as seeing as the biggest position of strength in this draft?
2: I think it's probably receiver. I don't think there's Jamar Chase in there, but there's really good receivers at the high level, and I just feel like there's a depth of them that you can get. I think there will be first-round production out of some second-round guys. Um, whereas edge, I think you start to look at some of the guys out there. Um, I think there's some sneaky good linebackers in there. Like there's a linebacker from, from Nebraska, Jojo Doman. I think he could be like Pete Werner, you know, kind of player where he can play for 10 years and maybe he's a third round pick. Chad Muma from Wyoming is a big time playmaker. I think he can be a really productive NFL player for a long time. And I think those guys may end up, um, You know, like there are guys, you know, Leo Chanel from Wyoming, super explosive athlete. He's a 250 pound linebacker who can get after people. I think if those guys end up at some point in the third round, I think you're going to see really, you know, Damone Clark who may not be able to play because of injury at LSU had a huge year, really blossomed this year. And when everything else was, you know, he had three different defensive coordinators in the last three years, Damone Clark is a first round kind of athlete. And he, you know whether he can play this year or not, two years from now, Damone Clark might be a starting NFL player. And I think you may be able to get him in the fourth or fifth round now, maybe because of injury.
1: Bruce, I feel like the last few years, we've been talking about the depth of the wide receivers. Is this like a short-term blip or is this like a grassroots high school college thing where these guys are coming in way more ready because of how football is being played at these lower levels? right
2: now? I think it's exactly that. You have the explosion of seven on seven, I think there's another element of like kids talking about getting mossed. You know, I think there's like all of a sudden that they've grown up on that. I think you have some basketball, you know, carryover. Mike Evans wasn't a big recruit, but he was an elite basketball player. Who went to Texas AM and and has now been a really good NFL receiver. Drake London could have played basketball at UVA and had a really good career when the team stunk at USC. I think you were going to see a bunch of a bunch of guys like that keep going because it's a very you know even in the grassroots aspect of football where it's very instagram heavy where you see a lot of receiver drills and different things on releases the stuff that Devonte adams does the stuff that keenan allen does you know those kinds of things i think a lot of kids now are growing up studying that in a way that you know like you have quarterback dads you're gonna have receiver dads and i think there's there's a big portion of that and that's not even getting into like the the explosion of the money for slot receivers you know adam humphreys what would he get like 36 million dollars or 39 million dollars when he's when he left tampa to go to the titans and you're going to get i'm sure you know his you know de facto baby brother from clemson you know when when renfro is up he's going to get a bunch of money from the raiders and i think you, know, you see that from the julian edelman kind of imprint those guys now are it's a big value position i think there's going to be a lot of guys trying to find a slot who can who can move the chains
0: talking with bruce feldman from the athletic you can check out all of his great work and all the work that goes on at the athletic theathletic.com subscribe today garrett wilson or chris olave we are obviously in the heart of buckeye country here and uh, it's a conversation that uh, a lot of people have uh, in on, in the bars all over the city is who's the better wide receiver? Who's going to be the better pro?
2: I mean, from talking to the people who've played them, you know, as much as they like Olave, who may be a, a touch faster, I think people feel like Garrett Wilson actually is a little freakier in terms of just the ability to stop and start. Maybe, you know, both have both are really good route runners. I think, uh garrett wilson's a little more of the dynamic presence um so i think you're splitting hairs there but from talking to the people who've been around them and played them i think that they would say the guy who scares defenses more is actually garrett wilson
1: bruce it it seems like there's a a surplus of defensive tackles that aren't going to be first rounders but there's there's a lot that may go in the second round is there one that stands out to you whether it's perry on winfrey uh logan hall guys like that travis jones Players like that at, at that position.
2: Yeah, apparently Winfrey is super explosive. I think Travis Jones is, you know, from UConn. Like I actually thought he was going to be in my first round. Talked to a bunch of coaches about him. One school was like, "Yeah, we were like, he was on an awful team, and he was the best of an awful lot." <laughs> but I don't think they were just wowed by him. And other coaches that I talked to thought, "Okay, he's a big physical giant of a man, and they could see him translating well to the NFL." Whereas Winfrey is one of those guys who I think is just so explosive, and you know he's a junior college guy who I think was kind of a a little bit more of a late riser. I could see Win, Winfrey being more disruptive and more of an impact guy of those guys to watch out for. I like Fidarian Mathis from Alabama. I mean, he had a really good year this year, and now granted, the best player probably in college football who's not, is not in this draft. Will Anderson was the, was the guy everybody worried about, but Fedarian Mathis, I think he will be a really solid NFL player for a long time. And I'm guessing, you know, somewhere in the second round, I don't know if he falls below that, but I think he's just a, a really good player. Um, there's guys in there that I think is a lot of really, really good, maybe not great, but really good big guys in the middle. You know, I'm sure we'll see Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, um go you know somewhere in the middle of the first round just because they are huge guys who move exceptionally well but I think there's another batch of them as you said that I think will go in the second and third round will be starters and really good players
0: on the edge side of things maybe no more polarizing a player in this year's draft than Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon and where he goes obviously he's had some strong comments Uh, it's been interesting to watch because here's a guy that his talent could speak for itself, but there's a lot of noise in the background that seems to think that maybe he could even fall out of the top 10 possibly.
2: Yeah. I haven't gone late. I think I haven't gone eighth to the Falcons. I think the concerns with him, as you said, you know, lots of outside interest. nobody thinks he's a bad kid, but lots of outside interest where it's like, how committed to football is he? And that in itself is fine, but the chatter that picks up more steam is when you talk to these coaches who are like, he plays in spurts, he disappeared in a bunch of games where you thought he should have been dominant. And when you couple those two things together, it's a concern. Now he has great get off, he came out of high school as the number one overall recruit, so he's had a lot of buzz. The, the other thing is, and knowing that, you know, you guys are the Browns, so we got Miles Garrett, He's not Miles Garrett athletically and he's smaller. You got Jadavian Clowney who has had a very up and down, like there were times when Jadavian Clowney was sophomore at South Carolina, he was Superman. But then, you know, he hasn't had that NFL career and Jadavian Clowney's a much bigger dude than than Kayvon Thibodeau, you know? I mean, uh, I don't wanna compare him to, you know, the Falcons had a first round pick who was with the Browns last year, who was explosive edge guy from the Pac-12 but like there'll be flashes, but you need to see more, right? I don't think he's, I don't think he's Miles Garrett. I don't think he is one of the bosses. I don't think he, you know, he's a 254 pound guy. Is he going to be 265 a year or two from now? And yeah, he has a great get off, but I think I'm interested to see how it goes. I mean, I think from everybody I talk to, they like him. They're a little, they're a little leery of what his NFL future is going to be like.
1: And Bruce, I'll just follow up on that. Like just about the position as a whole, it seems like if it's like beyond a top 20 selection, there's always like some uneasiness with edge rushers. Like you just don't know, like, what's the, what's the reason why projections are so tough with that position I like compared so. to others?
2: Yeah. I think some of it is there's a boomer bust factor. I mean, a guy, I'll use this example. So, you know, uh, Marcus Davenport, very opposite of Thibodeau in that he went to UTSA. There was really no buzz about him when he was coming up. A long, really, you know, six seven guy who moves really well for that frame. But, you know, he's been banged up a little bit. He has – he's shown flashes, but it's not like we're talking about Cam Jordan on the other side where you're, you're talking about a 16-sack guy or whatever. And I think it's just hard to project, I think, for certain guys. Oh, this guy's got a motor. Oh, yeah, well, he has a motor, but is he going to be a a dominant player athletically, or is he going to, you know, clean up on crumbs, you know, depending on what's on the other side, right? You know, we've seen guys who were maybe not high level college players, and then they flourish in the NFL. Trey Hendrickson, another guy who came from the saints, you know, okay. Played at FAU has been a really, really productive player. And I think it's just hard to see, well, where does the, where does quote the motor go and is that going to be enough to be a high-level NFL edge rusher where you're really going to be a difference maker as opposed to you're going to get seven sacks as a situational guy? But is that the value we're talking about? You know, I mean, I mean, there's a big difference between, like, dominant guys and who they're around, right? You know, like, Leonard Floyd got to be a lot better player when he came out here with with the Rams. Of course, you know, look who everybody had to deal with. They had to deal with number 99. So I think sometimes those things – you know add into what can make a guy you know get let the light came on for him well the light probably came on for him because like everybody's scared to death of the other guy you know somebody else that they were having a game plan for
0: Bruce I'll get you out of here on this and obviously it's been a a pretty busy off season for our football team in, in doing so uh, we have a new quarterback in Deshaun Watson what can you tell us about Deshaun the player that you covered when he was at Clemson
2: i mean as a on as a player on the field he was a program changer you know in in regard for clemson you think about it in this way like maybe five years before he got there they took a five-star quarterback taj boyd who was a really good player and he elevated them to be to go from being kind of underwhelming or you know being consistent to be a very good team and they got to like they took a big step and then they got a little better and then then when Deshaun was there and they had pieces around him, they certainly had really good defensive line, but like, I think that was like, they went and took it to another level. He was just a, I think he was a very good fit in that system. And I think he really elevated that program because after that, then, then Trevor Lawrence came in and the talent continued. Like what's crazy is like Clemson, has recruited obviously well but it's not like Clemson was recruiting on the star power that Georgia and Alabama have been you know they were getting top 12 classes maybe once it was top four and then another time it'd be number 14. Whereas Georgia, Alabama, they were getting they're stacking cordwood of number one or number two ranked classes and everybody's a five star. And so I think what you had in that quarterback was a guy who I think a lot of people would look back going wow with his career Um, you're surprised he didn't end up winning a Heisman you know and I think back then I remember that one of the things that you know was a knock on him was that there were the picks you know and I think it was because he was giving his guys a chance to make plays and sometimes the defense made the plays but he ultimately you know took them to a place that I think a lot of people didn't think they could go and to Dabo Sweeney's credit and that staff's credit and those players they were able to sustain it and kind of build off it but um i mean you know he was a great college quarterback i don't think anybody is was surprised that he went on and had a, you know had a lot of success in his game translated well when he was in houston either because you know he was really good against alabama when, you know, it's one thing to be really good in the ACC. I think when you talk to coaches, they're like, yeah, the ACC relative to the rest of the power five isn't great, especially when Clemson's the heavyweight and Miami and Florida state are spinning their wheels, especially at that time, Miami was, Florida state was, it was almost like Florida state was, was good. And then after Jameis left, then they started to really backslide fast. Whereas Clemson, um, you know, it, it just wasn't a great league, but to do it in the playoff, the way he did, I think that opened up a lot of eyes.
0: Bruce Feldman, can't thank you enough for your time. Make sure you check out his mock draft today. Insight from the coaches that played against all these guys whose names are going to be called here on April 28th, April 29th, and April 30th. Keep up the great work. Hopefully you get a little R&R here before we know it. College football is going to be back. The NFL is going to be back. And the the madness will will ensue yet again. Follow him on Twitter at Bruce Feldman, CFB. Read his work at TheAthletic.com. Bruce, appreciate the time. Continued success, sir.
2: My pleasure. Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks to Bruce Feldman from The Athletic and from Fox Sports for a few minutes of his time. Uh, Gribbs, you mentioned it. One of the best in the business. A guy that uh, I know you've worked with in the past, uh, especially your time in college football, and uh, offered a lot of good insight. Uh, again, it, it's tough talking mock drafts it's tough talking about draft when you don't pick till number 44 and a lot of things could happen but uh there's a lot of positions uh, of interest and a lot of guys at those positions that we uh that we need here
1: yeah and as i mentioned in the interview it it seems like the browns the last few years have gotten a guy in the second round that had always been mocked in the first round i mean we remember the stunner i think last year's was probably the most stunning getting uh jeremiah in the middle of the second round I think even previous years, I remember going into that 2019 draft, Greedy Williams was routinely mocked as a first-round guy. Grant Delpit, before the injury, was mocked as a high first-round guy going into his final season at LSU. So uh, there's – Plenty of talent to be found. He mentioned Jahan Dotson at Penn State. That's someone where there's just going to be a cluster of wide receivers. There's only going to be so many people that take wide receivers in the first round. There's going to be first-round talents that come down to the second round. Uh, so that's a spot where you could get some real value uh, at that position of a, of a player that certainly is talented enough to be a first-round player, but just the way the board breaks uh, could fall to the second.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think – we look at it and in doing the research there's probably 15 to 20 quality wide receivers in this draft not all 20 are going to go before pick 44 no and
1: <laughs> and one of those wide receivers that's going to probably go in the first round is jameson williams who probably can't play much at least early in, in the first season so t- those are, there's teams looking to be long-term investments in the first round and you're going to get a player potentially that can make an impact right away uh in this offense in, in year one
0: and same with a kid from michigan who uh who had tore his achilles yeah i, I mean the Teams are willing to wait a year potentially for some of these guys to really make an impact, but they're that good that if they're healthy, they're, they're game changers for sure. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting. We talked about wide receivers. We talked about edge rushers, and his worry is not sure how many quality edge rushers are going to be there on day two. I still think you can find some guys that can play. And play at a high level in day
1: two. Yeah, look at look at what the Browns got back in 2016 in Emmanuel Ogba. It's a, it was a pass rusher that came in really raw. He made a decent impact on a on a bad defense. I mean, he was one of the best players on a, on a bad defense for a couple of years. Uh, but then as his career developed, develops and even to a more uh, consistent pass rusher, especially once the league figures out what you do best and you find a defense that that it gets the most out of you. These pass rushers that you're getting. Outside of the first round, are going to take some work. I mean, there's they're not. If they were elite pass rushers, they go early, and so it, it you 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 get some guys like like he mentioned, Jason Oway with the Ravens, late in the first round last year, where it's a lot of projection and figuring out what they can do best, and it's probably not going to always be smooth sailing. So. Uh, that's if, if, if edge is the spot at at 40 at 44, it's going to be someone that's going to play. It's just a matter of what you can get out of them in year one and and where they fit within the Stevens. It's not, not necessarily someone that you can pencil in right away as a starter at at that spot. So
0: you start seeing mock drafts in, in two rounds. Uh, I know Mel Kuyper this week put out his two-round mock. Uh, Todd McShay had his last week. A couple other guys, uh, Lanzerlein, I believe, has a a multi-round mock that just came out from NFL.com. And, and you know, you start seeing guys, you start looking, and you go, well, okay, defensive tackle, defensive tackle seems to be a a prevalent theme, and maybe it's just because it's a position of need, or it's hard to tell. At this point, is it silly season? Is it, are you starting to see a pattern here where something could come down and look this way on draft day? I think it's hard two weeks out, especially like we just talked about. Picking at 44, I mean, the draft doesn't start for you till Friday as of now. It doesn't mean it can't start earlier, but as of now, it starts night two. So what to make of these multi-round. Yeah, marks? I
1: think that the combination of it's I think it's one you look at the Browns roster and you're seeing two defensive tackles on the roster. That's an easy pick for someone yep. that's doing a two-round mock draft. The second thing is you have really only got one defensive tackle that is locked in as like a first-round guy. And it seems like there's like a surplus of defensive tackles that fit in as top fifty to 55 players overall in the draft that are going to fall in that kind of range that the Browns are in guys like uh, Travis Jones out of UConn Perry and Winfrey out of of Oklahoma it's just kind of the need meets meets uh, draft level and I think that's why it's the easiest I think that and wide receiver are probably the two easiest ones to project with the Browns right now at at, in the second round
0: all right that's a look at the mock draft uh, mayhem two weeks out from the 2022 NFL draft uh, next week, the kids are back in school voluntarily as organized team activities, otherwise known as OTAs, begin. And the first session of these OTAs begins next week. Gribs, players going to report Monday, Tuesday, somewhere in there, uh, and then get down to business again. It is voluntary, so we'll see who comes and who doesn't. But what can we expect in this first session here?
1: I mean, this is just your straight up working out. Uh, yes. So yeah. footballs are not involved. I mean, this is getting the guys together, getting them in the strength program, getting everyone kind of on the same page. And you, you kind of slowly, methodically work your way all the way to veteran camp in mid-June. So this is the first traditional uh, off-season workout program that Kevin Stefanski will experience. First one that the team will have experienced since 2019. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. The turnout. First off, you're you're probably expecting most of the guys to be back here in some capacity, at least Uh, for that first week. At least, yeah, and and, and in and out potentially for some guys. But uh, ultimately, you, you it's just getting the team together, getting some bonding going. You got a new quarterback. You've got some new players defense is mostly the same but the, it, i mean this team has had so much turnover over the year it's great to have a lot of the guys back on the same page you've got a third year with the coaching staff which as joe thomas always mentions it's not like you're relearning algebra every year this is you can start stacking on top of what you learned it's just it's all about getting the guys together and and setting the table for for so you can come in hit the ground running at training
0: yeah i i would expect there to be some new wrinkles obviously with the with the quarterback play and uh, a different quarterback in here as well so Uh, A lot to see, a lot to kind of unpack here as this team comes back into the building. Hard to believe they're already back in the middle of April. And before we know it, uh, we'll be back here in late July. Jeff McDaniel, not quite ready for that based on the look behind the camera that he just gave me. So uh, I don't think any of us are ready for that yet, but uh, it will be good to have the guys back in the building next week.
1: These are our off-season workouts. We're getting our reps in now, so we're all ready to go by late July.
0: He said it. I agree. We all second it. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe today to the best podcast available wherever you get your podcast. Also, check us out at YouTube.com. YouTube.com slash Browns. Thanks to Bruce Feldman for his time. Thanks to Jeff McDaniel for all of his hard work. Andrew Gribble and I are back with you next week. Uh, we'll start to look at that first week of OTAs, and we continue to inch closer to the 2022 NFL Draft. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available presented by Cross Country Mortgage.